Hi, y'all. Uh, my name is Andrew Kim, and my pronouns are he, him, and I am a recent grad from uh, ASU Law who is currently prepping for the bar exam, which is coming up in about two days. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, I have to admit that it is kind of ironic for me to be uh, sharing about Shalom uh, when I am days away from sitting what is probably the most stressful, exclusionary BS test that I have <laughs> ever had the pleasure of crying over. <laughs> so to sum up my current mental state, uh, if I can quote Mr. Kanye West, <clears throat> I'm tired, you tired, Jesus wept. Uh, <laughs> So I will try not to use this time to trauma dump about all the inequities present in the legal profession and the justice system as a whole, because that's a whole other story. And if I do mention law stuff, I ask for your understanding and forgiveness. So when I sat down to think about what to write regarding Shalom, the American justice system came to mind. Uh, in both civil and criminal law, when a court orders the guilty or offending party to serve a prison sentence or to pay damages to the injured party, the court is essentially trying to provide restitution to make the injured party whole, similar to what Pastor Aaron just uh, shared with us. And it's just kind of funny how the law thinks that prison sentences are the most rational way to provide restitution. You know, they're just like, hey, this homeless guy went onto private property to find shade so he could escape the 114 degree heat and so happened to have a melted plastic straw in his pocket. Looks like the only way to compensate the landowner for this trespass is to stick this guy into one of the most dangerous, violent places in America for a few years. And so, regarding that, kind of have to ask like, okay, what does this have to do with Shalom? And the reason why the idea of restitution came to mind is because I first came to understand shalom to mean peace and tranquility, or just another way to say uh, hello if you want to sound smart at Vacation Bible School. But I soon learned that my understanding of this important biblical term was not complete. After I read up on the use of shalom and the role it played in the lives of the people within the word, I learned that its implications reached far deeper than its effects. Shalom is derived from the word shalem, which means whole or complete. And this wholeness or completeness appears to be an essential aspect to shalom. To reference other Semitic languages, uh, the Assyrian analog to shalom, salamu, means to be complete or paid for or atoned. The Arabic analog, salam, means to be secure and forgiven. And in Greek, the term eirini was used to fill the same linguistic role as shalom. Now this all sounds quite a bit like restitution, and I kind of hope it does, because if it doesn't, that means that the bar probably just made me insane. <laughs> and so this notion of wholeness implies a separation, because to make something complete, you must first have its pieces. And on a broad societal level, we are definitely in pieces. When we see things like SCOTUS overturning Roe, and with it, the reasoning that protected many of our fundamental rights, Biden's $37 billion budget request to support law enforcement right after a cop in New York killed a teenager for playing with a water pellet gun and a SWAT team burned a young boy alive in his home after frying flash grenades into it, whose father was also killed by law enforcement, and a record drop in Lake Mead water levels that's trending towards a tier two shortage by the end of 2022, meaning that Arizona's agriculture sector gets cut off from our largest supply of water. Taking all this into account, restitution seems like a far away dream. 
and excuse the impending corniness, but we're far from being made whole because if anything, we're making holes because we definitely have not had any Ws. <laughs> On a personal level, as an Asian and an American that has to return to Korea in a few weeks to complete my mandatory military service, I now have to confront the other side of my identity and reintegrate into Korean culture. And this includes Korean church culture. God has blessed me with an amazing church family in Korea, but he has also blessed me with many opportunities to love my neighbor and forgive them their trespasses, if you get what I mean. <laughs> Coming to Clay was eye-opening for me because it was the first time that I had felt a church. It was the first time I felt a community gathered to practice the ways of Jesus, and it was the first time where, in a spiritually-led space, I felt a community work with the larger community outside of this building's walls in mind. And maybe I've idealized Kaleo a little bit, but I'll admit that no other body has made me cry almost every Sunday through a Zoom stream. <laughs> and in stark contrast to here, my church community in Korea approaches Jesus in a different light, a light where it's godly to slander the queer community, where godliness is measured by individual professional or financial achievements, and where the community works to cram the larger community inside itself instead of reaching outwards. And I'm pretty sure that a large majority of us here are familiar with this kind of church culture. And this is a conflict between two pieces of myself that are definitely far from being pieced together. So, so far, I feel like the story has been pretty bleak and doomery. And I don't think I'd be sharing in the spirit if I just came up here to say, world bad, so sad. In learning about shalom, I learned that one of the most common uses of shalom today is as a greeting that translates into, what is your shalom? And when I learned this, I realized that I had never asked myself this question before. A question instead that I would ask myself almost every day, and especially during these past couple of months, was, where is my shalom? But the question, what is your shalom, made me understand that the question, where is my shalom, is premature. And it's premature because it implies that I already know what I'm looking for, and I most definitely do not know what my shalom is. I do think that I am getting closer, though. In the Gospels, when Jesus healed the sick woman in the crowd after crossing into Gerasenes, Jesus told the woman, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in irony. Go in shalom. Now that woman came to Jesus physically broken. That woman carried 12 years of pain. She had to have been mentally broken as well, I'm assuming. And I'm pretty sure that Aaron or Chris have a way more uh, knowledgeable take about the implications and the sociological meaning behind this account. But one thing that is obvious is that this woman went to Jesus in faith. And it was through that faith that she was made whole. And when confronting the anxiety-inducing void that is the unknown future, it seems like a cop-out to say, just have faith, just like pray about it. And it probably is used as a cop-out by many, but that does not negate the fact that faith is essential to the process of shalom. If shalom is the restitutionary award of damages from a court, then faith must be the trial. And anything less than a faithful commitment to the representation of the broken would be an injustice. So, as I go into this next stage of my life, I could only hope that I would have the faith to come out 
on the other side made whole. Thank you, guys. <laughs> For more resources or information about Kaleo, please visit our website at kaleophx.com or follow us on social media. If this episode has been helpful to you, let us know or share it with someone you know.